Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Uh, happy to be here, I think. Um, how are you feeling? Are you happy to be here as well? I don't know, because uh, it's really weird with these kinds of formats, right? I don't know if you're there, if you're here, if you made an effort, you just accidentally stumbled upon this, or you've waited with bated breath for this new episode to come out. Maybe it's, it's, the, it's the latter. I think you have been waiting. You've been waiting for me, haven't you, naughty boy? Um, hey, yeah, so it's it's lovely. I'd like to, of course, thank all of you for listening. If you're new to this podcast, you know what to do. Kick yourself in the ass. No, you need to spank yourself in uh, the in the back of your thigh. I don't know which whichever part of the body which uh, stimulates or is stimulated by spanking. Go ahead and do that for me now. Why won't you? That you know that these guys who. Um, who call people dear, they need to be banned, first of all. Uh, especially women, they go, they call, not women being banned, I'm saying these guys are like, they, they don't even know the woman, it's not their mother, it's not their daughter, it's not their family, um, someone who you can get away with calling dear. Or you're not an old lady who's wearing, um, a, what do you call it, a picnic basket on her head. You're just one of these men who's in their late 20s, early 30s, and he goes, yes, dear. And I'm like, what the? Hmm, creepy. It's a sign, ladies, it's a sign, or men. If you're looking for something or you're not looking for something in man, it's a person who you met for the first or second time who calls you dear. Weird. There's something wrong with that human being. But um, yeah, so it's very interesting that um, the emotions, as um, one would call it, that I've been going through. Because, you know, as I told you, I'm a proud father. I'm a thrilled father. I'm an ecstatic ecstatic father uh, but at the same time I feel useless absolutely useless and I think men um, who've been through this before me have told me uh, friends of mine uh, dude just get the the best thing you can do I think that's the that's how usually advice begins and uh, the best best thing you can do is stay the fuck out of the way and I've been doing that actually well but you know what happens is of course as life is you make it about yourself and uh, I'm trying to be less selfish and be more magnanimous with my emotions and thoughts and feelings. But of course, you know, this podcast is about me, myself, and the guest, and you listening. It's just a few of us. But I I kind of internalize and process my emotions. um, And not to take away from what my wife is doing, which is amazing. She's... Uh, thing, but it's that's her space, and if she has a podcast, yeah, let her talk about it there. No, I'm I'm kidding. But of course, you can't even hold what you go through as a guy um you know in comparison to what the woman goes through your wife or your partner as you many men call women nowadays which is fucking ridiculous just wife dude or husband whatever partner it's like you're signed a deed yeah you have the certificate wedding marriage but you know of course see if you live like somewhere in kentucky or wherever indians go to live or wherever people live i don't know why indians anyway see if you're in somewhere in america or europe or where you don't have help and you you made the miserable mistake of moving there um for your dreams um opportunities you see good for you if you've gone there and you live there i'm i'm happy for you but you know you have these people, people like, oh man, you have it so easy. You're living in India. You have help. Dude, I chose to live here. Uh, so don't, don't write it off. It's not like I, I mean, I was born here. I had the opportunity. I lived abroad. My wife also lived abroad. We came, decided to make Bangalore home uh, because we, we live here. It's not like we, we were 
cornered into moving here, moving back. Not like we had no other choice. So when people are like, you don't know how hard it was. No, I think um, I don't want to know how hard it is because I'm fucking happy um, making the choices that I have. So if you made the choice to live there, wherever it may be, uh, Vanavatu, or it may be Aputinde, uh, whichever place that suits your balls, um, don't don't compare. Don't bitch me out for the choice you made. Eh? How does that sound? Good? Yeah. Up your bum. Uh, so, when people, especially it's just the husband and wife, the partners, um, then of course the husband has to play an important role. Um, but you know how India is if you're an Indian or if you're not an Indian. I'll tell you how it is. You have a lot of people involving themselves. Uh, some essential, like the mothers of the parents, and some people who just want to give advice, who want to chip in. As you know, we live in the world and in a time of opinions and everyone, even if you've never participated in the raising of your own child, when it comes to someone else's child, you have a theory, you have an, uh, you have an approach, you have a solution, you have uh, a tip, whatever it may be, unless you're circumcised and you don't have a tip. But you have to contribute, right? You have to like, oh, no, 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 I think you should burp the baby in the... What the... F- Shut up. So, I just feel... I want to talk about the things that you go through. And more importantly, this is just sort of the lead into the larger topic of sometimes it's good not to voice your thoughts. And I'm so glad that that's where I've been. I've been going through a roller coaster of emotions. And that's not hormonal. It's just my mind, which is uh, it's, it's a pretty dark construct. It's a pretty interesting construct. It's a pretty fun construct, depending on where, at what time, at which stage, at at which point after how many beers. But I've been quite proud of the fact that I've, while I feel a little shit about not being useful, about not being worthy enough as a father, as a partner, as a person who is supposed to help, I still think I've not voiced a lot of that. And I've been a good um, punching bag? No. I've been a good pillar? Maybe a good support? I don't know. You've got to ask my wife. But I think I've been, I, I've been giving a little bit of support in the in the right way and not adding to her stress and her routine, which is pretty impressively difficult. So, the point I'm making is, if we were held liable or responsible or even were accused of the thoughts we had as humans, ah, this cancel culture thing would look really, really childish it looked like oh no <laughs> because trust me humans and our minds are um, i think if you are in a position i mean forget meditation and forget a place of zen like state where you're able to be still and not have thoughts uh, racing <coughs> racing around in your mind i'm not even talking about an advanced sense of bliss or joy i'm just talking about basic like if you can get one percent of your mind um to agree with you and you sort of work in tandem with that part of the brain um, or your mind, then I think you're lucky. Well, most of us, man, the thoughts that we have, and if you're not able to, if you're able to not voice many of them, I think you've done well in life. Let me put it that way. So that leads me into this idea of Elon Musk. I think I remember mentioning that we should get to a stage at some point. And this is something that yogis do, which is non-verbal mental communication. Um, some people call it telepathy. Uh, some people call it different things. Um, and that, if that's a place we reach as a civilization, as a society, 
I think the only word is um, to describe it is that we're fucked. Yeah, because if you can't handle people flippantly using words in in humor or to express ideas or to express views, um, or you can't handle words, and you 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 want them to use a certain set of words which are selected by you or which suit you, what are you going to do when the form of communication which we use, which is our thoughts, which we have no control over, words we have control over, sometimes unless, of course, you, you aren't in a state where you can control and use this ramble, rant, you're drunk, whatever, maybe. But thoughts, so either two, two things happen. Either we just go completely spiraling out of control, everyone becomes cancelled, everyone's just sort of uh, spirals out of control and society as we know it just breaks down and we go to anarchy and we basically stab each other in the in the bum with noodles um, or we get to a place where we're all so impressively cornered and held liable to our thoughts that we reach a zen-like state and everyone becomes a master of his or, or her mind and emotions and thoughts. Of course, you know the answer, you know the solution, you know the result. It's going to be the former. Hey, so stock up on those noodles. <laughs> in, in either case, uh, it's fun, I suppose. And uh, let me know what you think about. I mean, I don't know why you would even think about something like this. But if you do, and you're like me, and you like uh, to think about things like this, um, stay in touch, you uh, little bum. Uh, you can, of course, write in. And I'd like to thank, of course, all of you for the wishes. Yeah, it's, thank you. I appreciate it. Keep um, keep in touch with me. Not keep them coming like, oh, I want wishes. <laughs> keep in touch. And uh, do share the podcast with someone you'd like. Uh, I've got a lovely guest on today's episode. Mr. Tim Box is an anxiety relief expert. So a mind coach, a TEDx speaker, amongst other things. He's an author. The link to all his work is in the description of the podcast where you might find it as you might in the past and might and possibly in the future, but for sure now. Um, he's he's a lovely person. He lives in Sunny Owl, England, mate. And uh, we had a lovely chat about the times we live in, uh, the landscape of the world as we know it, the world that is opening up post-pandemic, the changes which are some in some cases profound. Um, some people's foundation has been fundamentally shaken. Uh, I just wanted to use fun, two Fs in the same sentence. Uh, so Tim helped me, and as a result, helps you, uh, hopefully. I think he'll help you for sure. Um, navigate the different things that human beings are, are experiencing at this time. It's obviously um, important to have your mental health um, examined by yourself. And then, of course, if you need, and if you're in a place where you can't, uh, sort of process that stuff, you go to someone who can help you, like a counselor, like a mental health expert, um, a therapist, a psychiatrist, an anxiety relief expert. So there are various things that trigger anxiety, and Tim talks about how anxiety is not necessarily bad. It could be a yardstick, a, gu a, a guiding system, a beacon. So yeah, it's a really, really fun, is probably the right word, probably not maybe engaging, helpful conversation for someone who may be experiencing anxiety, but also for someone who's Maybe not experience anxiety because some people just don't recognize it as anxiety. Maybe they're just dumb fucks and they just go around like animals. They're like, I don't know. But animals can also experience anxiety. So it's not that you're a dumb, you possibly are a dumb fuck. I mean, be proud of the fact you're a dumb fuck, right? Um, we're all dumb fucks in some way. It's just that some people are dumber fucks um, or dumb fuckers. Yeah. 
depending where you use the ER. Um, and yeah. So what I was trying to say is that Tim and I had a fantastic conversation and we, let's pretend that the conversation has an episode. Tim and I are going to have a fantastic, no, why should I pretend the conversation's done? It's coming up on the other side. It's recorded. Somnath has lovelily put it together and you will really enjoy uh, the conversation with author, mental health, sorry, anxiety relief expert, mind coach, and TEDx speaker, Mr. Tim Box. So thank me later. Thank yourselves. And uh, till next time, goodbye. God bless. Take care of yourselves. Catch you on the other side. Cheers. So, Mr. Tim Box, welcome to the Soapy Rao Show. How are you today? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing, um, I'm doing well. I, I'm doing very well. And uh, I'm so excited that we're at this point in time where we can sit at home and feel isolated, but at the same time, we can sit from different parts of the world and connect like what we're doing now. So I'm extremely yeah. uh, excited we're doing that. And I would like to thank you for taking the time to join me today. No problem. I think it is. You're right. It's great that we can connect. I was I was talking to a client in America the other mm. day and we were saying how isn't it great that, that we can see each other because we've got the technology to do it now when, when previously we never did. You know? Yeah, but I feel um, there's also an opportunity lost over here because, uh, I mean, not lost in, in, in the sense that we're missing out on it, but people don't um, use it the way it's meant to be because you kind of... Um, mm. I'm putting these blinders on, right? Where you only want to look where it suits you. Um, mm. So you kind of live in this echo chamber and this is sort of amplified by the internet, uh, which has got so much potential by, you know, you and I talking, mm. I, I, you're in the UK, I'm in Bangalore, um, mm. India. And we are trying to find topics that can expand our understanding of what's going on in our minds, in our environment. Yeah. But at the same time, you have a group of people who choose to sort of say, no, I will only listen to a narrative that enhances my belief system or mm -hmm. doesn't challenge the way I look at life. And um, I think that's an interesting place to sort of start with where you come from and what you focus on. Uh, because uh, right now you're in the UK uh, yeah. going through this uh, post-pandemic um, rollout of social change in a way with Brexit, with yeah. all the sort of various immigrant plans, people uh, proposing that you send <laughs> immigrants to um, Rwanda or wherever they plan yeah. to send them. And I mean, I'm just saying uh, mm. this from a point of view, the reason why I mentioned specifically the UK where you're living now is especially as an Indian and Indians who had this context of what the UK was growing up, I was, uh, a lot of the influence was from, um, you know, shows from the UK, also language, of course, the language we speak is English. Yeah. But the entire sort of landscape of what you know, obviously, and also what we look at the UK as is changing, you know, with with a lot more Indians being prevalent in uh, in, in, in sort of politics in, in the UK. Uh, and I don't mm. make it sort of too vast a topic, but just how mm. has that been, the, the change over the past three years, which is a, a combination of Brexit, the pandemic, and with yeah. all these various aspects of daily life. So this is the thing. I think this is why I'm I'm so busy with what I do right now in terms of mm. dealing with people's anxieties is because we've had this sort of unprecedented degree of change, sort of mm. socially, politically, environmentally, things like that. And what with 
the internet, as we've just been saying, where mm. suddenly we have access to every single piece of information and every single person's opinion on the planet that we yeah. could we could desire to hear. So there's a lot of stuff going on at the moment that could potentially have us feeling pretty pretty unsafe and pretty sort of um, confused and, and and ungrounded in terms of like we might feel like we don't have our the situation around us isn't as we we like it to be we don't we don't naturally like change as human beings yeah. it tends to frighten us a little bit the unknown is the thing that we we shy away from you know mm. but so, so when i'm managing my my personal you know, my own personal take on what's going on i try and get as involved in like politics or things like that as little as possible and current affairs because i've seen so many people who their struggle over the last few years has been because they've got very involved in terms of where their focus goes on a load of things they can't control. Yeah, such right. as the political environment. You know, Brexit was something we didn't think could happen, and yet it did. And yeah. it's really easy then to suddenly get very concerned about what does that mean? But none of this concern that I might express none of the the worry or the focus that my mind puts on all of this is actually going to change any of it uh, all i can do is is witness it and see it and see it play out it's like the pandemic nobody mm. really wanted to go into a global pandemic and have to go into lockdown and isolate from every other human being on the planet um mm. it affected us personally mentally business-wise it affected us you know and uh, there were so many knock-on effects and we had enough to manage in terms of sorting out our own little pocket of the world that we need to deal with, such as our day-to-day -day life. Yeah. If we then concern ourselves with all of the stuff that's out of our control, it's really easy to see how many people became almost instantly overwhelmed by the big changes that were occurring. So when, when, I, when the pandemic hit, um, me as a, as a kind of anxiety specialist dealing with people one-to-one, I saw this huge shift in trends of what was going on. The people I was seeing who were struggling to engage with the world, struggling to socialize, struggling to get out there and, and, and leave the house and things like that. Yeah. Suddenly they were fine. There was no pressure on them to do that. Everyone was meant to stay in. So yeah. their anxiety subsided a lot. The people yeah. I started to see were people saying to me, I don't get it. I've never dealt with anxiety before. I've never had an issue with it and suddenly now i'm feeling overwhelmed and i can't cope and, and that added to their confusion why am i suddenly struggling mentally and the reason was was because they were now facing a challenge they had no experience of and no experience of overcoming and a lot of the things that they were concerned about were completely outside of their control so their mind creating concerns and putting focus on it there was nothing they could do about it yeah so and, and so this is the thing i if you if you talk to me about politics you will find a very uneducated person talking back to you because oh, no, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to because I have uh, no attention to that stuff. You know, it's, I what mean, can it's I do unavoidably about it? in your face. And as you mentioned, it's, it's being forced down almost like a, there's an agenda behind the, uh, the, I mean, of course you have to open um, some form of news publication to get access to current affairs of the political news, but it's almost like it's, it's almost there to, to so unrest, right? Like, because as you said, mm. if you're, if your mind space, is not full with these polarizing ideologies or these yeah. conflicting thoughts, then you are more uh, in, not, I wouldn't say control, but you're in a space of where you can control your balance. But the moment mm. these kind of elements are thrown at you, even if you don't want to, it, it, you, you do get flustered. You do get mm. a little more um, provoked, if that's the right word. Yeah, well, and, yeah. Yeah. All of that sort of stuff, it demands our attention, doesn't it? Because mm. it's presented as such. When people put posts on social media, when we, when we see the news on the TV, they're not saying, oh, here's something that is kind of boring. 
You know, they're, they're not yeah. saying they're saying this is something you should be outraged about. This is something because, you, you know, social media uh, platforms recognize very early on that the negative stuff gets more engagement than the positive stuff. Yeah. If you if you put something that everyone's like, oh, that's lovely. I like that. That's kind of all they do. They don't necessarily comment on it or share it or stuff like that. But if you put something they disagree with and they think is outrageous and shouldn't be out there, mm. then they'll get involved and try and change it. So mm. you get rewarded these days for for sharing the doom sharing the negative outlook and what that does is it sparks potentially people's anxieties about their own future and their and their own safety in terms of and their own path and this is why i'm always encouraging people you know we, we talk about getting overwhelmed in this day and age it's very easy to get overwhelmed because we are bombarded with loads of information by the internet yeah i'm always encouraging people to come away from the things that are out of their control because nobody really lives a life that should overwhelm them in terms of what they've got to do from moment to moment, day to day. Yeah, we, we might have stuff where I've got too much to do, but not enough time to do it today. That's okay, because all you really have to do is the next one most important thing on your agenda. And if you, if you stick to that, you've only ever got one thing to take care of and focus on, and that's easy to do. Yeah, we, we get the other side of those challenges. Yeah. It's only when we start to factor in all the stuff that we can't do anything about and so we're not dealing with that one thing that's the next on our agenda anymore. We're dealing with the whole world's problems and wondering what on earth is going to happen and realizing we can't do anything about it. You know, you know the strange thing I found, uh, I, I, I spent a short while in the, in the UK it was for university. I was there for about a year. And one thing I noticed, and of course, this is not a blanket statement. Every country's got individuals that make up its sort of population. But for, for the most part, the, the attitude of a country like uh, England or the, the UK as a whole, uh, and maybe even Europe, is this sense of it's not as dramatic as America as as the US. Mm. I think, and also people end up taking them not not taking themselves too seriously. Right? If you look at like in the UK, it's a more dry humor. Mm. It's darker humor, and you kind of you know you you, you kind of self deprecation uh, yeah, have a lot of that. Yeah. You know, in the UK, there, there is a sense of you know what that's it. Yeah, it's okay. We're gonna make jokes yeah. about us but do you feel that is changing uh to more of this narrative of the victimness uh the, this mm. whole thing of you know uh, with because a lot of um in my opinion or my experience a lot of the western uh, views uh towards an individual is it, it's more individualistic right it's as opposed to like an mm. eastern culture which is more collective and family yeah um, and and but, but at the same time a lot of the bonding or the socializing happens in the pubs say in the uk or a uh, post work yeah. there's that culture and a lot of that took a hit because yeah. of the lockdown um mm. so, so what, what have you uh sort of experienced through clients or through sort of general behavior in a population like um the people living in the UK, whether it's the younger um, mm. sort of university going or just fresh into new jobs kind of population with this collective, this 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 sort of socializing um, mm. um, aspect of mm. what COVID and the lockdown did to people in the in that context. Well, this is that's very interesting. I think you're right in saying that our culture is, is slightly different. It's more it's more geared towards the individual than the community. I think that is very true. And certainly when I've all the time I've grown up, it's not been like we've had close communities where we live. We have we've had sort of passing community spirit, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But I think as we get older, we become more community based. You know, I see that in my parents now, whereas my dad didn't want to talk to the neighbors when I was young. Mm -hmm. Now he's getting involved in the local community and the local council and all that sort of thing. And he's really he's, he's really valuing his community. Yeah. 
yeah. but when I um when I did my, my TED talk, one of the other speakers on on the on the agenda that day was talking about the difference between introverts and extroverts. And I mm. and I found it really interesting because I'd always thought, oh, extroverts are the outgoing people that are the the loudest people when we socialize. Introverts are the ones in the corner kind of sticking to themselves. Yeah. But um the the lady Joanna Rawbone, who's who's amazing, she was talking about it's more about how do we recharge our batteries. Yeah. So introvert needs to be on their own to recharge their batteries they need to come away from people for a while to be yeah. around people and socializing they still might be very loud very outgoing that sort but of thing but they need that downtime yeah but they yeah. need their downtime yeah there's there's a point so my wife is, is absolute life and soul of the party she's really she's amazing she's funny she's you know she's intelligent yeah. she's witty and everything like, and she's and whenever she's in a social situation you know she's going to be involved in it in a big way yeah but there is a point if i'm out with her where she kind of vanishes um, I know that she's just in a quiet place on her own, just because, and she'll say it's become a bit peoply for me. You know, yeah. I need, I need to just read, you know what I mean? And that's the sort of thing that she'll do. Whereas I think on, on the flip side, you have people who need to be around people to recharge their batteries and to, and to kind of get their energies. So I have a, I have a friend who's, whose job is he's a hairdresser and he travels around people's houses and doing a mobile hairdressing job. And he is working from like first thing in the morning to last thing 10 at night you know and I, and I would say to him like how do you how do you spend so much time working and he, and he didn't really regard it as working because him meeting people and talking to them and finding out how they're doing and exchanging ideas that fuels him it doesn't it doesn't drain him it doesn't wear him out you know when we went into mm. lockdown he was the one of our friends that struggled the most he was the one who we had to be doing all the zoom calls with and doing a quiz every other night and things like that because right. he needed to is human contact and that's like teachers and uh, people who are uh, who, who are kind of over the course of a day they need more of those inputs as opposed to you know yeah. predominantly more time by themselves and then a burst of energy in public kind of thing is that what yeah yeah exactly yeah so the, the job that i do for example is potentially quite isolating because i'll see like maybe two or three clients a day uh, it'll be one-to-one -one. we're not you know we're not just having a jolly having a laugh we're talking about serious things at times we're working on changing things about their responses and i don't have an office environment where i go in and then i chat on my coffee break with other people because it's just me in this clinic on my own you know yeah. and and this is why when i started to train other practitioners i was very keen to make sure they had a support network around them so we had a community and we had meetings every every month where we could connect and exchange ideas because i don't think no matter whether we're introvert or extrovert we still don't do tremendously well from total isolation you know we are social we are social beings and so i think a lot of the time what what people have been going through or that i'm talking about with people is the isolation of of not just having natural human interaction something we've taken for granted you know, all our lives. We haven't had to question it. We, it hasn't been limited to us. We've always probably had our friend circle that we can always rely on. Um, mm -hmm. And suddenly we're deprived of that. And, and we feel the difference. We, we feel the impact of that, you know? You know, what is very sort of interesting is because there are two things which sort of come up here. Like one is this idea, like who gives relief to the mental health experts, right? The people like the anxiety relief experts like you or the mm. therapists or the psychiatrists. I mean, they need a system as well because they're hearing this constantly. And it's if you look at like in a realm of energy, the more negative energy you take on, you need to release it somewhere, right? So how do you release yeah. it? And yeah. also just to sort of go back to your friend who's the person mm. who needs this social interaction uh, to sort of recharge him over the course of a day or whatever uh, his schedule looks mm. like. Do you sense, I mean, maybe you can 
take one or take both at the same time. Uh, do you sense from what you've experienced there are the people like say I'm a, I, I do stand up, so mine is predominantly a lot of time on my own with mm. a little stint on stage for the day, which gives me this sort mm. of rush and I come back to think. But it's it's a very extreme increase in energy and back to zero yeah. again. Um, but then someone like what you're describing as this person who's meeting five, six clients, cutting their hair, or say a teacher mm. who's in school for the eight hours in a day is getting yeah. this over the course. Um, so maybe, maybe is there a comparison of which is better for a human being through our years of evolution or is there one which is better than the other uh, because you said your your friends struggle in the lockdown but are there um, certain practices or certain highlights within mm. each form of living like whether you said it's introvert extrovert yeah. which is better f- uh, sort of designed which you're sort of seeing over the course of these past few months and years yeah i, I think i think there's there's an argument to be made that certain mm certain needs that we have are healthy needs are natural needs and then mm. maybe some of them have been developed from our experience as we've grown up and our learnings you know mm. for so for example the, the person that's in the relationship that's a bad relationship but they stay in it because they fear being on their own that's mm. the, that would be the worst thing in the world you know they've probably developed some sort of response yeah that they're reacting to a potential threat a fear rather than i want to do this because i feel this this makes me feel good I, i like this you know mm. as human beings we do naturally seek our tribe you know it's that it's yeah. that idea that if we can find safety in a, in a tribe then we can relax and we can move towards happiness yeah but mm. but safety isn't our only motivation happiness is our motivation that's our primary motivation but safety mm. of course that that box has to be ticked along the way otherwise we're going to find it very difficult to be happy if we don't feel safe in, in where we are so mm. we naturally want to connect with people and this is why you know when we're at school it's really important that we have a friendship group that people like us and this is very yeah. often where we develop social anxiety from the idea that if people notice me they will notice bad things about me and i'll be rejected and abandoned by my friends that sort of thing the the idea of being without our tribe is is very threatening to us at that time because our friendship group is everything our social standing is is like the the most important thing in the world to us you know it's a bit like um you know like herds of buffalo on the on the african plains it's the ones mm. that are in the center of the pack that are safe from the lions it's the ones on the outskirts that get picked off you know so we develop these strategies where we we want to be accepted and we want to be embraced and we want to be welcomed into a into a group as a valued part of that group we want to be liked basically but i think there's there's a point where we have to connect the dots on this in terms of what is actually going to bring us happiness as we go forward as we come out of you know the educational environment where where every day is with the same people so we need to find some people that accept and like us mm-hmm. now you know we're out into the world and probably our happiness is going to depend in some small part on being different to the people around us standing out getting noticed in a positive way so mm-hmm. that we can you know it's like when we go for the job at the job interview we want to be noticed above and beyond the other we want to be in some way different to them so that we stand out if we go to the pub and we're looking to you know to hook up with somebody we probably want to stand out as different to the the guy that we've gone to the pub with you know with our mate we want to be noticed in a better way so there's certain benefits now to to deliberately being different to the people around us rather than just fitting in and i think sometimes we get stuck 
in that strategy of I need to be liked by everyone. I need to be accepted by everyone. When in truth, I think a lot of freedom, freedom from anxiety as well, comes from the idea that it doesn't really matter if anyone else approves of me, as long as I approve of me. If I feel like I'm a good yeah. person, I'm the person I want to be, that's got to be good enough. You know, because, yeah. uh, you know, for a couple of reasons. First of all, we shouldn't rely on other people's opinion to feel good about ourselves. Second of all, there's seven and a half billion people on the planet and we are now able to connect with every single one of them if we want to. If I just focus on being me and the best version of me that I perceive, then probably there's going to be other people out there that think I'm great and will be attracted to me. And suddenly the people that I'm surrounded by like who I am naturally. You know what I mean? I don't have to try mm. and pretend to be someone else to get them to like me. So I think a lot of the time we just, we carry our pressures that we felt when we were in that microcosmic environment of, of the education system and school and, and being a child. And we carry it into our adult life. And that's the source of a lot of our anxieties. You know, I know certainly yeah. my social anxieties when I was going through that, that phase of school to adulthood, they, were, they all stemmed from the idea that, that I was terrified whether people would like or accept me or not. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that's something which I think all of us in some shape or form have experienced it. The severity may be uh, less or more for some people. But hmm. it's, it's a very interesting thing that you mentioned, you know, because that seems to be the repetitive nature of this uh, cycle of external validation and self-worth and this thing which happens. And it, it's almost like we should have got it right by now, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I want to understand this thing because it's, it's been, you know, I think it's bothered. I wouldn't say bothers, but it's been playing on my mind. Um, mm. While uh, we spoke about this idea of the collective versus the individual, um, mm. and I think both have their advantages, right? Because you just mentioned this idea mm. of valuing you uh, by yourself for who you are and because you are your best and worst critic, if you want to call it. Um, yeah. At the same time, the importance of belonging, right? And the, the, mm. the tools we use to get acceptance, to get validation. But yeah. I want to understand from your learning and your experience, what the nature of this, because you see this more and more in um, uh, various spheres of life, right? Whether it's um, communities, whether it's political groups, whether it's sporting mm. groups, whether it's mm. mobs, this mm. idea of the individual uh, mm. giving up or sacrificing the complexity that goes into making him or her or uh, into what they mm. are for the identity of the group. Uh, for instance, yeah. if you use like a label saying LGBTQ, which is so many individuals, mm. right? You can't just take those yeah. alphabets and make them <laughs> representative of such a large, diverse, yeah. complicated group of people. But we see more of that where you see mm -mm. transgender or certain activists who claim to be representatives or you say uh, a gay person or gay activist. There's so much that goes away from the person when they become a mm. part and give up their identity for that group identity. So can you just maybe mm. talk me through and talk my pe people listening to this um, about this idea of what happens in a clique, what happens in a group, what happens in a yeah. mob, and yeah. what that does to the, the, the human spirit or the mind and the nature of being. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. I think the, the difference there, the important distinction to make is whether you identify as part of a particular group or mm. whether you are changing who you are to become part of that group yeah so so when you talk about um lgbtq communities things like that people generally are finding their community there because they they identify as as part of that group yeah, yeah. um whereas 
in in the environment we were just talking about at school you know you i don't know you get in this country you get a classroom of about 25 30 people and oh yeah by the way you're going to be with these people for the next five or six years so Mm. you better find some people who like you otherwise it's going to be very difficult for you you know what i mean so then we become invested in becoming a little bit more like the person next to us so that they can find a version of us that they relate to and we can kind of unify and be a bit stronger in numbers that sort of thing Mm. and and that's the difference there it's about we, we should be naturally gravitating towards the people who we feel we resonate with, who are our sort of people, like-minded people. It's yeah. not about changing who we are to fit in. It's about finding our groups. And, and you're right, community is important to us. You know, that's the whole, we are tribal beings. Yeah, we, we like to, to form groups of people so that we feel accepted, we feel like we're protected, and we feel like who we are is okay to be that person. You know, it's, it's a natural thing. Um, but the problem comes when we employ those strategies we learned from a young age, which was to change who we are, copy the people around us, you know, dress the same, talk the same way, like the same things, mm. just so that we will be accepted and thus life will be that little bit easier than if we are not accepted and rejected, you know. So, yeah. but I think that's the danger here. That's that's the problem. When, we, when we, we experience things like social anxiety, for example, it's generally the the recognition that it's very hard to fit in, in, in that sense. We're different to people around us. So I, I remember when I was dealing with this, I perceived myself as, as very different from the people that I was around. Um in some way and i did right. perceive as well that i was having to change certain things about my personality or who i was yeah. to fit in with the people around us you know um and and, it, and, it, and that's what we do though because it's important at that time so for me when i went went out into the world and and was like okay i need to i need to find my tribe again i need to then i'm like i don't know who you want me to be you know i'll meet somebody at university i'll be like i don't know who you are i don't know what you like talk to me so i can kind of absorb that and become become that version of me that you need or that that, that will fit in with you and it's very challenging because you're you're there's loads of people around you know anywhere we go there's loads of people around us that we could potentially connect with if all we're trying to do is make everyone like us that's really difficult you know because the thing that makes you like me will be the thing that makes the next person i see dislike me because yeah. we're all different with our own opinions so it's, it's incredibly challenging there's a bit of us recognizes that it's probably going to be impossible to meet everyone's needs and make everyone happy so our job is to stop trying yeah, our job is to say, right, I'll be who I want to be. Because by the time we get to our adult age, we've probably seen enough of people. We've mm. seen enough in people as well to decide who we want to be as a person, or at least have some idea of where we want to get there, you know. So if we focus on that, then it simplifies the game for us. Because now we naturally have the people who like that version of us that they're seeing, they'll gravitate towards us. And, and this is what comes coming full circle. I feel like I'm I'm answering a very simple question in a very long way here. But the point is, it's about finding our group and our, and our people that we connect with and that we have things in common with. It's not about changing who we are to fit in, you know? And do you think, and a um, lot of the finding the group starts with finding um, the narrative that you identify with within you, as opposed to looking for it outside? Yeah, I think I think that's a really that's a really astute observation. I think you know th- there's certain things in us that you know, you know this yourself. You'll end up in a conversation with somebody, mm-hmm. and they'll say something, and it'll just go, mm, you know, and, and you'll you'll think, hang on, I don't. That sounds different to the sort of thing I would say, or mm-hmm. that that sounds like something that doesn't sit, just doesn't 
find its place with me and in my mind and my belief system you know and and then you'll at the same time you'll recognize when you meet somebody and it's like this this constant you know triggering of dopamine where we oh we think the same oh that's the same as you know i feel the same way you know and and it's just that it can become a real joyful experience when you meet somebody and you're just like oh we think you know we are absolutely connected there you know um yeah and, without and I think trying is, too hard and you kind of yeah. just feel that energy but sometimes on the flip side you try and you try and like you know i've gone out for sometimes uh, we go out i'm sure you've experienced this we go out for like either a dinner or somewhere and some group of people you aren't really um yeah. close to or you met them not too often and you try yeah. and you try and, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, like you're yeah, exhausted yeah. and you almost feel like oh i, I I'm, i'm like i think they fucking yeah. hit me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> honestly it is the most exhausting thing yeah. trying to be accepted by people that you just can't resonate with at all honestly yeah. if i'm if i'm with the wrong people then yeah. i feel like the most socially awkward bastard on the planet the worst person yeah. you could ever you know i'm i'm like i'm just inept yeah and you and you end yeah. the night thinking christ I'm so boring. I've got nothing of value to say. But then when you spend the night with people who you connect with, yeah. you think I'm I'm the funniest person in the world. Everyone thinks yeah. I'm amazing. I'm great. How did I ever But doubt myself? But the same myself, thing to add know? to what you're just saying, you know, like I'll give you an example. I met this guy who is a friends uh, a friend started dating him. So the first time we met it was sort of back in 2018 or something. And I was and as a as, as a person as a performer, it sort of it was in my nature to be at the center of the joke telling, right? And I'm forced, yeah. and this guy's just not laughing. And I'm like, man, this one's a tough audience, right? So I'm going harder and harder. And then he's, yeah. clearly he's more and more averse to my jokes. And I, I then, and then my wife's like, why were you trying so hard to impress him? And yeah. fast forward to the pandemic, the lockdown, I kind of sort of had this journey of looking within and just saying, okay, you know what? This is what I want to do because I sort of find that, Um, yeah. it gives me joy it gives me a sense of fulfillment as a person right and I met the guy again and it automatically just fe- felt like it was two different individuals interacting because I didn't have to try mm. that hard so it's amazing what you said mm. about mm. Uh, one is of course the moment you spend time and you're like-minded uh, sort of group mm. of people the energy just seems to flow but it's mm. also that you can you have it within you to not try as hard um when you focus yeah. on the right kind of aspects of yourself and not just on these certain things like you know there's this sort of pop culture um sort of thing where we we gravitate towards right whether it's like oh did you watch american pie oh i watched american pie how cool are we i mean it shows yeah. how old i am referring to american pie <laughs> yeah that's good that's a good reference i like it no, <laughs> thanks <laughs> but it's otherwise it's almost like oh did you watch like you know the chappelle show and you you drop lines and that sort of becomes yeah. your unifying uh cultural reference or it's the songs or the music and I think a lot of that was taken away uh mm. with, with yeah, any of this. so so you know, maybe I think uh this for people who I think I think everyone and I I, th- I like what you say where you say it's fine to be anxious it's a good thing mm. acknowledge it don't treat it as something to get rid yeah. of like a headache um so maybe mm. you can talk about that um and mm. maybe also just sort of address some of the kinds of anxiety that people face um just so that yeah. they know that okay this is what i have and it's fine because yeah. i know that i went through certain various forms of anxiety some more debilitating than others but yeah. once you accept and understand this person if you want to call it anxiety living with you uh, you kind mm. of almost like you know what i'm anxious nine hours at nine hours out of ten so might as well befriend this person as opposed to trying to push <laughs> yes. them away you know you're gonna spend so, a lot of time with him yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. You might as well get on with him 
So yes, but, maybe uh, can you take them through but, these things and also, yeah, maybe then yeah. we'll talk about how you got into this space and yeah. So Yeah, so well, here's the thing. I think a lot of the time we're, we're encouraged. So everyone feels anxiety on a, on probably a daily basis because it's an emotion. And this is, this is the thing. I start, when I was working with clients, I started to notice that the thing they were most anxious about was how anxious they felt and if it would yeah. ever stop you know so and it's that horrible feedback loop that generates so mm. you you get anxious about things in your life so the classic example just to take it right to you know level 11 is that the yeah. pandemic happened and a lot of people got very anxious about what's going to happen with this global pandemic is it going to wipe out the species are we going to be stuck in our homes forever now we're we ever going to be back to normal that kind of thing there was a health threat there was a threat to our business so our finances for our well-being in that mm. sense and there was the isolation and everything so people got very anxious now that's kind of natural yeah because we don't have experience of overcoming this particular challenge yet so there's there's uncertainty there none of us are able to draw from past instances where we've faced this challenge dealt with it and got the other side of it which is normally yeah. how we how we feel secure in the face of challenges the knowledge that i think i should be able to deal with this because of previous experience yeah now so we go into this unprecedented state this this complete into the unknown into the darkness as it were and we feel anxious now the problem then comes when the thing we're now focusing on isn't what's the issue what do i need to deal what do i need to do it's the fact that we feel so anxious yeah so so anxiety is that that emotion if if fear is move away from danger if anger is right the wrong that's been done to us you know all mm. our emotions have a purpose and a, and a and a point of action if you know what i mean anxiety is a part of your mind saying this is the most important thing right now to, to focus our attention on we need our conscious focus on this particular issue right. so when the pandemic becomes that thing and the pandemic is something we can't do much about yeah. yeah. So if I if I feel anxious about I must remember to to get on that Zoom call at that time to do that podcast. Yeah. I know I can take action on that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I've just got to get on that. And then suddenly that anxiety dissipates. Job done. That part of my mind has done its job, reminded me of it. I'm there. Yeah. Mm. But when it's a pandemic, we can't do anything about it. Maybe you've just got a part of your mind saying, I don't like this situation. This doesn't seem very good. This seems a bit threatening even. And we have this constant anxiety that isn't going anywhere. OK. Yeah. Now, if that gets extreme enough, if other concerns pile in on top of that, now we might start to think, I seem to be really, really anxious of late. In fact, mm. I, I find it difficult to calm down. I find it difficult to relax now at all. In fact, I can't remember the last time I just felt safe and at peace. Then we start to question, is there something wrong with my with me mentally, am I, am, I, am I now taking damage? Am I becoming ill mentally and emotionally, as it were? And we start to question our responses then what happens is that the next time we feel excessively anxious a bit of us says look here's that anxiety again you're getting really anxious again yeah. you might have an anxiety problem yeah and, and suddenly our focus stops being on the pandemic and starts being on how anxious we are about the pandemic yeah and we start to question that and i was noticing that that the majority of the anxiety i was dealing with was what um dr claire weeks would call the second fear which is the fear of the fear, not the fear itself. Yeah. Now, the yeah. thing we're anxious about is if I go to that meeting tomorrow with all those people there, am I going to have an anxious reaction to that? Yeah. Am I going to am I going to have some sort of emotional response? Am I going to have a panic know? attack? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's no longer about dealing with the meeting, giving my report in properly, saying what I want to say and, and everyone thinking I'm great rather than stupid. Now it's about am I going to have a panic and everyone's going to judge me for me panicking? 
working. You know, it, it becomes it's almost like your anxiety is focused inwards now about your anxiety. Okay, so I think the most important message we can get out there is that yeah, you know, at times we are going to feel more anxious than we would rather we would like to be, yeah, because something about the situation has started to feel next level threatening to us mm. yeah and then of course what are we going to do about that we're going to get anxious about it because that's what our mind is demanding we put our focus on okay so that so a lot of back loop is what you're talking the about the feedback Just, loop exactly yeah, yeah. yeah so if you so if i can use the analogy oh jimmy hendrix analogy which i'm sure hopefully will be appreciated um you know yes, jimmy sir. hendrix would would point his guitar at the amplifier and it would wail with feedback yeah you'd all the mm. screeching stuff yeah um and that was the point of it yeah and that's what feedback does you you've now stopped you, you've pointed your focus in on the fact that you're anxious and that focus is making you further anxious you're becoming anxious about anxiety and now you're anxious about the ang anxiety you're creating by being anxious about it you know and that's like that's that's like the, the guitar feeding back the amplifier but that's happening because the pickups on the guitar that are little that are little microphones for the strings yeah they're now picking up the sound coming out the amplifier and they're amplifying that back into the amplifier yeah. yeah so it feeds back now the important thing to remember here is none of these items the guitar or the amplifier are broken they're working perfectly adequately perfectly as they're meant to they're just facing in the wrong direction Yeah. Mm. So the point here is that you're not broken when you start to feel excessively anxious, even when you start to have physical responses like panic responses and things like that. There's nothing broken about you. It's just that your mind has started to put its focus on the thing it doesn't need to focus on, which is how anxious you currently feel in response to this challenge right now. Yeah. And, and that's and so that's why that's why I started to that's why I did the TED talk about this. Mm. Um, and that's why. I called it how to stop feeling anxious about anxiety because it, yeah. the message needed to get out there that anxiety is a perfectly healthy human emotion. In fact, it would be weird if we didn't feel anxious about things that are important. That would be strange. Yeah. Mm. And it would almost be, you could legitimately call that dysfunctional if we just didn't give a crap about anything, you know, but we, we wouldn't get anything done and we wouldn't live a fulfilling life because nothing of importance would come into our focus to take care of. We wouldn't achieve anything or ob ob obtain the fulfillment in ourselves that we're looking for, you know? Yeah. You know, that's the very interesting thing. But also when you're in that feedback loop, it's very hard to think like what you just said to take mm. away that feedback. But I, I, I'll give you an example. Like, you know, this I used to be pet, like the, the feedback loop for me used to be when I used to go travel in a car to mm. a radio show I used to host. And yeah. then, the, then the, the idea of sitting in the car, first of all, it was anxiety that will I be able to perform on the radio show right because will yeah. I be able to go live that was the say the initial trigger but then the car ride became then after that getting down in the elevator so it just started compounding but now yeah. um, I'm able to sort of break that loop which is so liberating but yeah Yeah. At the same time, you know, when you just think you passed it. Uh, so I, I just became uh, a father a few days back. Um, oh, congratulations. Thank you. Right yeah. So yeah. my wife and I had a baby girl on uh, the oh. 11th of May. And wow. we both, yeah, it's it's brilliant, right? The first emotion is, yes. wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. But okay. then anxiety is like, hey, are you sure you can do this? Are you going to be a good father? Are you going to, so my, yeah. my, you know, we're experiencing all these emotions And then, mm. then you start feeling anxious, going, how can you not enjoy this beautiful moment and start being anxious? And then the anxiety of that starts yeah. building up. So exactly. what exactly um, can you tell yourself, right? Because each person has their own motivating factors for anxiety. For someone, it could be the fact that they might not get yeah. um, 
money on the table or food on the table might be um, health conditions it may be yeah, the fact yeah. that they have kids they're raising or maybe the kids have um, mm. an issue of self self worth or maybe I'm not be accepted mm. by my peers so they all mm. with such I mean each human being is so different at the same time we are yeah. in this same sort of situation or context by virtue of geography or by society or by mm. culture um, yeah so what can someone do to think because it's not wrong but it's okay feels no, like no it's wrong. that's yeah but it feels yeah exactly it feels like it's not doing you any favors to be excessively anxious when you just want to be in the moment and enjoying the, yeah. the experience that you're having yeah i totally get that so if we if we take off the table then the mm. fact that we're anxious about feeling anxious that's not a factor now yeah we're just saying this challenge whoa how's this going to go you know the yeah. uncertainty i haven't done this before am i even capable of it look the thing i think we're not um we don't naturally doubt ourselves and that might be a controversial thing to say you know i know i know a lot of people regard confidence as something that we need to build up over time with, with experience and learning and knowledge and, and you know all that sort of thing but really we're kind of born 100% confident yeah because we're not born with insecurities mm. we learn them as we go through so when somebody is in a situation where they're doubting their ability to cope and that mm. doubt is is hindering them yeah from from getting the most from the experience then i think sometimes we have to ask ourselves why have i got somebody in there saying you can't do this where's that thought coming from yeah yeah now for most people it doesn't take long to work out where it's coming from maybe it was a, a parent that used to put us down maybe we have experience of trying and failing at something maybe we just don't have a great level of self-worth in this mm. area or something like that or maybe it's just because we've never done this before yeah and and we and we've seen other people struggle and other people talk about how difficult it is you know yeah. so working out what the exact we're asking that bit of our mind to just calm the anxiety to the point where it doesn't intrude yeah we've got to imagine why would that part say sorry i can't do that mm. yeah and now if we can work that out then normally we can provide an answer to that particular concern you know so a, an example of one might be okay i have no experience of being a parent so so what if i fuck this up i've seen other people fuck it up you know yeah. um and then probably what we could tap into is what we might refer to as the experience of being inexperienced So we might not have an experience of doing this parenting thing but we have hundreds of experiences of doing something for the first time that we didn't know if we could do or not and then learning to do it to the degree where it became everyday and commonplace you know so the classic and example is is first day at school terrifying yeah. we think oh my god i can't handle this there's all these people what we're going to do and then you do it every day for god knows how many years and it becomes boring you know it doesn't even become a challenge anymore and we have hundreds of experiences in our life of doing that so maybe we can borrow that bit of knowledge and say i'm sure even though this seems like the most daunting thing i've ever undertaken i'm sure i will learn to do it in a way that then makes it day to day and commonplace because that's what i do you know another thing i don't know how healthy uh, a recommendation this is but uh, another thing is just like wait a second if they can do it <laughs> i can do it yeah 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 <laughs> that's it we've all probably looked at somebody who we know yeah. isn't as isn't as intelligent isn't as you know hasn't got the nerves that we've got but they seem to do it fine yeah yeah so yeah. we can yeah borrow from their experience <laughs> borrow it, from yeah. them yeah no because it it seems to be such a uniting human experience right and i think that's mm. the sad part when you're anxious and you're going through this um mm. the feedback loop you feel so mm. alone but for all you know mm. the person next to you is feeling 
even more anxious, uh, yeah. especially on on flights, right? No one wants to show it. And I think the fear yeah. of showing anxiety makes you more anxious. But yeah. you're pretty guaranteed that on a flight of 200 people, at least 50 people are, are shitting their load going, oh my God, what's yeah. going on? <laughs> <laughs> to use a colloquial expression. Yeah. Um, yeah. But with, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the thing about anxiety. It feels it feels like we're on our own because it's a very, mm. it's a very unique experience to us, isn't it? And we're experiencing it in our way. I remember, yeah, I'm going to go back to my experience again. Apologies for always going back to this but no please I do because I, I also want I, to talk about I want you to talk about how you got to this place so you, maybe you can uh, sort of loop that yeah. in while you talk about this okay yeah that, that's cool so so when I was dealing with a lot of social anxiety I very much I, it wasn't like it was overt it wasn't in my conscious awareness I was rationalizing it thinking it through but I know I felt like I'm a bit different from the people around me mm. I, I struggle with this they're probably dealing with this a lot but they seem just fine around groups of people they seem to be confident they seem to you know and I'm the one that struggles and I need to hide the fact that I'm struggling here and that I'm worried and then you you know you start to talk to people and you realize oh Christ we've we've all got our own insecurities here the only thing is that you know at school we're not sharing them because we're trying to put on our front and our face and you know and, and be and be mm. impenetrable and not show weakness because you know it's the weak ones that get bullied etc you know um but when we start so I, I did this thing of um when I first started to practice in this in this field mm. I went to face-to-face -face networking events a lot I was doing like two okay. or three a, a week um and I looked around the room the first time I went into this group and I and I I, I stood up and said what I do and I had a conversation with I think one or two people and there was 30 people in the room and I, and I thought I came away from that thinking well there's only like one or two people who I would get business from in that room yeah, because yeah. they're the only people that talked to me and said oh I wouldn't mind seeing you about this sort of thing um but I joined the group and I was there every week afterwards you know and I thought well they can refer people to me in the course of the first year of being there I saw nearly all of them personally one-to-one -one. because mm. guess what every single human being on the planet has the thing about them that they would rather if they could just go that's changed they would do it you know it's, it's like none of us are sitting there thinking well I'm perfect I don't need any help in any area at all you know mm. we've all got our own insecurities and our own like limiting beliefs and many of us are very aware of them especially as we try and take that next step in life so I think even though anxiety makes us feel isolated it's worth reminding ourselves that everyone's got their own stuff that they're dealing with we're not alone and, and we actually are experiencing the kind of um the kind of emotional response that everyone is very familiar with you know it's a very rare person that can't empathize with another human being about their own anxieties and their own concerns yeah yeah, I find that very interesting because, you know, supposedly a tribe which you mentioned is where we belong. And that's sort of what the messaging has been over eons, right? For thousands and hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah. But it's almost like, but now the idea, this, this just to go back a few, for, to a few minutes back when we spoke about this, how in school you're kind of forcing yourself to adapt to be a part of a group. But nowadays, if you're yeah. a part of an ideology, you kind of find the group that suits you, right? But yeah. I feel almost like, you know, when I talk to you now, I'm perfectly happy to explore and understand and not put up a front and put up this um, yeah. image which is determined by my ego and I'm okay to show my vulnerability. But it's almost like the moment I say, you say, hey, it's a bunch of us who are meeting, at, meeting why, why don't you come meet my group of friends? It's almost like, will I be accepted? And that, yeah. you know, aut automatically, I feel like mm. the idea of a group is more anxiety provoking than meeting an individual and it's yeah. quite strange how 
you know automatically mm. that uh, which is supposed to be natural to a human being is uh, creating yeah, the opposite yeah, yeah. effect you know but i think again i think that's because of our experience we're used to group environments where maybe not everyone has accepted us you know and and the, and yeah. the thing also we got to remember that if our paramount um motivation is to be accepted and liked mm. then come and meet these group of people that i hang out with and you might think you know what tim's a great guy i'm sure the people he hangs out with are great as well yeah. um but you don't know what sort of people you're going to meet in that room and mm. you probably could have a fair guess that not all of them will be 100% your sort of people that appreciate the way you respond you know mm. so like when i'm when i'm training you know i i swear you know i i use i use colorful language at times but yeah. i know that not everyone will will like that when when they're be you know, when they're, they're working with somebody so i know that at some point the thing that makes this person over here laugh will make this person over here frown and yeah. and i think that's the that's the additional concern and this is what like you as as a stand up comedian you know your your job is to try and make everyone in the room laugh you know Not and anymore, that's why i think, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing i think i think that's why it's such a difficult job to do because yeah. there's a bit of us that says it's unlikely that everyone in this room has got the same sense of humor as me that would be weird in fact wouldn't it you know and i might be the yeah. funniest individual on the planet but at the same time i could easily say something that offends that guy at the back or that guy in the front even you know and they might say you know just look at the look at the oscars this year you know who who would have thought that would have happened you know but yeah. it it's one of those things where when we think about addressing a group of people we instantly realize hang on I can't take any cues from you about what version of me you would most approve of. Yeah. So and that's very anxiety provoking. Like the day uh, yeah, or the yeah. night after a show, that's why I think I especially when I was in that phase was really sort of hitting uh the mm. bar and sort of you know smoking and drinking a lot more because mm. you kind of try to make yourself numb because if you are mm. too cued in, you are too sensitive to emotions, then you have upset someone. uh you yeah. have um gone a little too yeah. far with someone else you uh, you yeah. you you kind of pushed the boundary and that's what gets the humor but you can't be uh, all sort of like you know cued in going oh you know i i get what it means to be human i mean you have to read the crowd mm. but at the same time you have to mm. be distant from them because you can't you can't please everyone and you uh, well, also well, can't be too hard it? on yourself for for it i think as well we can guarantee you know we can absolutely 100% certain say there'll be somebody that doesn't like me in the room you know yeah. whenever i'm presenting to groups i need to be comfortable with the idea that i'm about to talk to somebody that doesn't like me yeah because mm. but they might not know they don't like me yet but as soon as i start talking they'll be like oh god the sound of this guy's voice getting on my nerves you know and mm. i know that's going to happen because you meet enough people you're going to encounter people that don't resonate with you but at the same time i probably know some people will like what i'm saying but again i can't factor that in it's like you say you can't you can't be thinking about what if i upset but just assume you're going to because it's yeah. going to happen and there's no avoiding it and the more you concern yourself with it the more you'll just take the focus away from you being you you yeah. you'll try and yeah. adapt you'll try and water down what you do so you don't offend people it's like you were saying about being a parent what if i make mistakes what if something yeah you're going to just yeah. just accept you're going to because that's what life is it's making mistakes correcting what we do next time based on those mistakes learning growing and becoming hopefully the best version of ourselves that we can be as as we go through life you know but it's if we if we're worried about what if something goes wrong 
just assume that it will. And I don't mean yeah. like think the worst is going to happen, but yeah. know that we're never going to live a perfect life. But hopefully if when something, when we do something wrong or when we, we take a step that we think, mm, I don't think that was the right step, just learn from it. Grow, and also be able to acknowledge uh, that that error or that mistake sooner than later. So you're like, okay, wait a second, yeah, as opposed exactly. to just sort of going too far down, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think a lot of the time we get something wrong and we beat ourselves up for getting it wrong, or we dwell on it and we think, oh, that was, oh, I'm rubbish. I'm so, I'm what fancy doing that, you know? And mm. then we miss the opportunity to simply learn the lesson and yeah. move forward with an enhanced level of confidence because we've just learned something that we didn't know before. You know, it's, it's mm. one of those things. We when people say, how do I get more confident then? So we'll go out and make mistakes because if you do the right thing in the face of those mistakes, if instead of saying, oh, I'm rubbish, I keep making mistakes. Yeah, that's because you're human, not because there's anything wrong with you. Yeah. Yeah. If you instead say, right, oh, I've just learned something that I didn't know five minutes ago. Mm -hmm. That means I've grown. That means this version of me is the best version there's been. So let's take confidence from that, that I'm now more knowledgeable, more resourceful, more experienced, you know. And another thing I noticed about anxiety, and maybe you know, it's it's something that other people feel, is that the more you protect yourself by not putting yourself out there, say you 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 want to, you're scared of going out, so you sit at home. You're scared of getting the car, so you don't travel by car. The next thing you know, yeah. the places that you think are safe start making you anxious, which is so strange, yeah. right? Yeah. So you're that's sitting in it. bed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anxiety shrinks the world. It, it makes mm. it makes our our experience of the world more limited. Because we, yeah. I think the problem there is that we focus on the fact that it's a struggle rather mm. than focusing on the fact that, but we did it and we, and we did it and we, and we achieved, you know, it's one of those things where if we remember and you know, when you haven't done something for a while yeah. and you remember doing it, but now I'm, I'm, why am I nervous about doing it? I used to do this all the time and now I'm worried about doing it. You know, yeah. I think all we remember is that, oh, that was difficult. Mm. And, and then we expect a reaction in the future. We expect it to be difficult again. And that's what we're focusing on rather than the fact that we actually got the other side of that challenge. And, and again, yeah. you know, we talk about what can we tap into when we feel the anxiety, tap into the knowledge that everything that has ever threatened to take us out, we've got the other side of. That's why we're still here talking. That's why we're you know? so here, we, yeah. yeah, we might have struggled. We might have been knocked over and had to really struggle our way back to our feet, but we did it and we, and we, kept, mm. we kept going. So every challenge we've faced, we have in some way got the other side of it. Um, and that's a good that's a good bit of information. That's a good bit of knowledge to take along with us because it, yeah. it, it speaks to our resilience and our resourcefulness, you know. Very, very true. I mean, I think it's very important to re- recognize the fact that anxiety is actually also got what got you through the anxiety in some way. And, mm. um, you know, what I don't get is um, we've spoken about this a few times in this conversation already about the school system and how mm. while it's designed to be a socializing um arena for children Hmm. it also creates these kind of dynamics this group dynamics right of self-worth acceptance um how to please how to get validation so Hmm. if that's the case um why why haven't we fixed it or is it good to have that (laughs) i i don't know because it's almost like every person has like i'm just saying the whole thing of the, the 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 various character types that come out right whether it's the confident yeah. person it's the bully it's the nerd yeah. or whatever these labels are put on students and children who go through the schooling system yeah. uh, then you have the various things that form these cliques whether it's the sports group whether it's the football mm. team whether it's the drama group mm. and each group has a certain stereotype attached to it now mm. we've had thousands of years of people going through this education system and everyone seems to have some chip on their shoulder as a result. Yeah, so, uh, so it's almost like, why, why haven't we um, 
addressed it or have we addressed it yeah. and is it is it good like i mean i'm just saying have you sort of come across some of this and maybe you know because a lot of the uh, post lockdown mm. when people when kids were expected to study online through zoom or whatever um mm. they experienced a lot of other issues being at home being mm. uh, maybe too comfortable with their parents supporting them helping them through it so what is like mm. what is good for a child what is good for an adult an adolescent wow. who's going through this i mean if it's too vast if it's too deep i i, I just want it is to quite understand. it's quite a vast subject isn't it let's like yeah. tim let's just fix the education system right now shall we yeah, this, i mean that's exactly why i called you <laughs> it, it's one of those things though isn't it it's yeah. like we can see that it gives rise to issues right mm. but it's how mm. do we fix it so that we develop a system that doesn't give rise to issues because mm. at the end of the day we go through some degree of challenge in our life mm. and how we respond to that challenge and what we learn from it and what what's the the strategies our mind adopts to get us through that yeah. you know they 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 get ingrained you know what i mean and mm. this is why it is a challenge when so we come out of that so the adversity is good right right yeah it, it can mm. be because it gives us it teaches us to deal with things but mm. is that some people are going to take a very similar experience and and it's going to teach them that life is too much for them or they can't mm. handle certain aspects of it so but i i think if you were to ask me what's my grand plan for helping people grow up a little bit less emotionally what would you call it like damaged or something i think it's to understand what our emotions are for if we can come away from our our childhood years comfortable with the fact that i respond or have responded in this way because of a certain experience and that's okay then we don't have to question how we feel about things i'm very often approached by parents whose kids are going through a struggle at school normally like exam nerves yeah, or they yeah. get really anxious about exams should i bring them to see you and i'm like well if you bring them to see me because they're nervous about their exams you're giving the message that there's something wrong with being nervous about exams mm. and the reason they're nervous about them is because they have been presented to them as the most important thing that they've ever done in their short lives is to do mm. their exams to get to the right a higher school or get the right career or something like that parents are probably really used to watching their kids dicking about not taking things seriously yeah and so they've said look take this seriously because this will open doors for you this pertains to your future that sort of thing and so now they're like oh god mum and dad are this is really important yeah but it's not it's not like your parents any nobody sitting there in their desk saying god oh, thank god i did my gcse's well otherwise i wouldn't have this great career that i've got now i wouldn't be this rich person that i am i wouldn't be this comfortable have this house and this family we know our exams don't actually dictate our path through life but we also know we want our kids to do their best at them so we encourage them to do it so we create this atmosphere of anxiety around this particular action now i don't think there's anything wrong with kids being anxious about exams yeah. i remember being anxious about my exams and if i if you had to say to me what got you through them tim it wasn't anything that i thought about it was cuz my dad said to me look tim just do your best whatever that adds up to is going to be good enough yeah and so he took the yeah. pressure off me he didn't That's just say that's so important to hear right because yeah. if it's the other messaging where the parent takes on the anxiety and 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 amplifies it for the child saying yeah. it's do or die right like your yeah. exams determine the next 100 years which is what happens exactly, a lot in yeah. india um yeah. because you're sort of 10th or 11th or the 12th grade uh, marks yeah. and yeah the, the standardized tests and and it and it carries on right i'm sure you've seen this and maybe maybe it's how yeah. can 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 anxiety help you deal with your emotions or can you sometimes uh, be emotionally yeah. stunted yeah 
I think it's important to understand why we feel anxious. Yeah. to recognize there's something important that is pressing on our mind that we want to take care of it's mm. not that we have an anxiety problem we might we're probably excessively anxious because there's something that we're anxious about that we can't instantly do something about so it sits mm. there as an ongoing thing and it wears us down a little bit so yeah. we need to recognize that there are times when we can engage with that stuff when we can take action on it and times when we can't you know mm. i think you know you talk about the difference in the cultures mm. um when i see when i see people from an indian culture you know, either from that have been brought up in this country or literally from India, I know there's a lot of cultural pressure about getting your qualifications, getting the great career, making the family proud and a lot of yeah. things like that. And a lot of the time, that's what causes people who are very high achievers to have very low self-esteem because they're never, ever going to feel like they're good enough for the standard that they were were set to achieve or they were they were asked to achieve by their parents and that's a that's a danger there is that we put so much pressure on kids not because we don't think they're good enough but because we want them to be all they could be and live the best life and be and be the happiest version of them they could be and we know that if you pass these exams careers will become available to you you'll make lots of money you'll have a healthy loving family all that sort of thing and so we put the we pressure them to do it mm. but on, all that does is i'll never be good enough because I can never yeah. get these people that I'm looking at for my validation to say, well done, you've, you've done it. You've right. done all you needed to do. Yeah, because we're always striving something better. And, and I think, you know, it, it's the root of perfectionism as a, as a toxic character trait that we shouldn't be cultivating. Yeah, it's okay to want to get better. It's okay to want to do better. But if we reserve happiness for the moment when we become perfect, we're never going to be happy. Because yeah, it's almost like the focus is on the outcome versus the process of learning and enjoying and fulfilling uh, that particular. You've just, you've just summed it up there. You've just summed it up exactly. What my dad did when he said that to me, he took the emphasis on the result and put it back on my input. And guess mm. what I'm in control of and guess what I'm not in control of. Yeah. yeah? yeah. Uh, I'm in control of my input. I'm not in control of the outcome. Okay. And, and that's important right. to understand. So, um yeah. So I, I think that you've, you've summed it up exactly there was that if I can, if I can have my concerns based on the things that I can do things about, great, I can, I can get control of my concerns. If they're based on things I have no control over, yeah. then what can I do about that? You know, I can't, I can't decide what questions are going to be asked on the exam paper. Yeah. Mm. All I can do is learn as much as I can so that hopefully whatever questions there are, I know the answers to. Yeah. Mm. You know, no, what, what I find very strange is almost like, uh, is this, I don't know if it's there's a basis or it's just sort of my observation, but do you sense that the moment there's higher intellect or so-called uh, perceived intellect associated with an individual, the anxiety almost automatically goes up because of these various things that you mentioned that the system is uh, geared to reward, right? Which is achievement, mm. which is outcome. Um, and mm. the people who don't really... Um, or rather, who aren't really recognized as intellects, don't have that pressure, so they're automatically less anxious. Is, is yeah, well, I think there is there is an element of that. Certainly, environmentally, right. we don't put as much pressure on the people we don't feel can achieve as much, do we? That That's mm. very much true. But there is this thing, there is this sort of misplaced idea that it's, it's intelligent people that deal with more anxiety than unintelligent people. And in mm. fact, there is, there is a thing that we refer to as depressive realism, which okay. is the outlook that says I am depressed because I understand the world better than those that are not depressed. 
Yeah. So mm. it's almost like I know too much to be happy about the world and the, and the state of it. You know, that kind of thing. And that's a very yeah. that's a very sort of limiting and it locks you in that attitude, because to be happy, then you'd have to know less than, you know, now, which isn't going to happen. You know what I mean? So mm. but I think the point being there is that the focus has been placed on the wrong things. Yeah, the, the focus right. has been placed on advancing, learning, growing, becoming, you know, the, the perfect being that we're trying to be rather than simply living a happy life. Yeah. And, and I think That's... we need to shift our emphasis on what we're what we're giving people, because our parents or us as adults, we think we know now what makes a happy life. It might involve money. It might involve a happy, healthy family. It might involve a certain amount of holidays every year, something, you know, something like that. But we've got to remember that if we just tell people to pursue those things, Things, yeah then we're telling them what's going to make me happy not what's going to make them happy and and i think mm. we've got to find our own path to what we regard happiness to be and it isn't always getting the great career based on the great exam results based on all that you know that sort of stuff it's um yeah. a lot of the time it's other things you know you know it seems sometimes so complicated but at the same time why can't it be simple because isn't the <laughs> isn't the idea of this human experience for the body mind and if you want to look look past and you look at texts from spirituality or philosophy talking about this united mm. consciousness that we all sort of share this united mm. sense of being one and but it almost feels like we've built up so many walls so many sort of um you know things that have made the glass the, the clean glass which we can look into grimy and all these various mm. things so why can't it be simpler than what it is right now <laughs> yeah exactly but this is this is the mantra when i'm training my practitioners the, the mm. first thing we start with keep it simple yeah, because mm. what our problem is, we've got lost in our complexities, mm. all of the many things, the many facets of our life that concern us, we've got lost in them. And our job, you know, when I'm when I'm looking to work with people and help them get get the other side of their high anxiety response mm -hmm. is to step get them to step back and simplify things again and realize mm. that certain aspects of what goes on in our life, they've they've graded as, as drastic, massively important when actually in the grand scheme of things this is not that important you know if we if we were to step back and get a better perspective on it we could probably realize that we don't have to get quite so lost in the details of our life and we can base what we do on on slightly slightly less complicated principles you know and and it is mm. about finding the best life for us based on simple rules of happiness you know that kind of thing yeah yeah just, i think you know maybe just it's it's important it's so important to what you just said but, you know, sometimes it's just so difficult to disconnect from the grid, right? Because you say, okay, mm. you know what, it's it's maybe not that paycheck. It's maybe not that um, mm. that compensation or whatever. Maybe not yeah. that, that number of social media recognition sort of things. But yeah. then what, what, I mean, I don't expect like an answer, but maybe just like how does someone disconnect for a second? Because, I mean, there's so much noise. And mm. how do they sort of say, okay, you know, none of this matters. But immediately the moment they say that message to themselves, someone's like, oh, no, but did you did you realize that you have to invest for your future? And it's just like, whoa, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It just yeah, seems I, sometimes a bit difficult. Yeah, I get it because there's a lot of, there's a lot of noise put out there with mm. other people telling you what is going to make you happy. And, mm. you know, it's, it's a weird thing. So I had um, a long time ago, I was on I was on one of the many trainings that I did around a certain time of my life. And one of the exercises we were told to do was I think it was called a perfect day exercise yeah. where we just sit there with a pen and paper and you write down in detail, focusing mm. a lot on the emotions that you're feeling. Um, what would be your perfect day? 
Mm. And it's not the day that you suddenly cured cancer or the day you won the lottery. It's just the day you could live as your normal day every day of your life, you know, give, give or take, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's surprising what that does in terms of your focus on what you're doing with your life. Yeah, because I, I think doing that exercise does get you to realize, well, hang on, it isn't necessarily about the targets I'm setting myself. Mm. You know, I've, I've got targets for my business, for my, you know, I've got monetary goals and things like that. And I've got a five-year plan for the business, stuff like that. But I want to make sure that in that five years that I'm trying to get to that goal, I'm living a really enjoyable life, you know, and, and mm. I'm, I think one of the things I'm, I'm quite, I'm not saying I'm a perfect human being far from it, but one of the areas of my life that I'm quite proud that I maintain is a good sort of work life balance uh -huh. where I don't sacrifice the enjoyment of now just to build something that I'm searching for in the future. Yeah. Cause it's like yeah. somebody said once to me, somebody said to me recently, your ideal way of spending your day, if it doesn't in some way resemble what you're currently doing, you might well be doing the wrong thing right now. You might be trying mm. to slog through something you hate to get to somewhere you want to be with no guarantee that you'll get there. The only guarantee you have is that every day is now a slog. And, mm. and I think this is why a lot of people are pursuing are recognizing the journey is the thing to color in, not the actual yeah. destination. Yeah. And, and, and so a lot of a lot of what I do in terms of my goals, yeah, I want to get where I want to go, but I'm not going to sacrifice the day to day. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't want to be slogging through today on the promise of tomorrow. I, I want to be yeah. enjoying the moments that, that that come and go. You know, it's almost like, you know, I, when that exercise is so nice because I kind of caught myself doing it while you were explaining what it is. And I'm just like, mm. I think this is pretty damn close. My day is pretty nice. You know, I'm, yeah, I was uh, yeah. chilling uh, with my wife and my baby and I did this. I'm doing this conversation with you. I'm yeah. going to read a book after this and I'm going to have a couple of beers in the evening. I'm like, I nice. think it's pretty damn good. But I think, yeah. <laughs> I think what happens... is, I don't, don't underestimate the value. Yeah. You know, we think, oh, the, the, the dream is to be in the penthouse apartment and, mm. and have all the, of all the money. When, don't underestimate the value of just being able to sit with the person you love, having a coffee or have, chatting about nothing in, important yeah. and just being at rest and at peace and realizing... Yeah, this is a nice moment, isn't it? You know, yeah. and, and that kind of thing. No, because the thing is, you you it's almost like it feels like when everything is actually comfortable, like in the sense it's good, right? You, yeah, that's when you almost drive yourself into this place where oh no but why am i not doing more i should have more when will i get mm. more i mean with whatever it may be whether it's financial or whether it's uh, material mm. or whether it's even even in something like um spirituality it's like oh i, I only meditated for tw 10 minutes when will i get to the eight hour meditation practice yeah, right? yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's almost like it's we're designed to do it but at the same time we're designed to find ourselves lacking which is quite strange yeah. because it's actually a great place where i may be or you may be but mm. when um but say for example when we are in this place of where it hit rock bottom then we look mm. back going actually i was in a good place why didn't i appreciate it much more you know it's yeah that's, that's exactly it but i think i think it's a good human trait to want to get better you want to be better mm. to want to grow that sort of thing i think that's, there's nothing wrong with that but i think there is something wrong if we if we don't allow ourselves the credit for where we've already got to you know if mm. we, we don't stop on the journey and say hey isn't it amazing that i got here yeah I, I like that i'm pleased with myself for that because not only is that the moment that we're searching for is the moment of wow i feel really good about who i am but then <laughs> that, that also allows us to drive 
further and, and harder because we believe in ourselves because we just did that other thing, you know? And, and I think a lot mm. of the time we take for granted the things we have as if they were nothing to get them. You know, it's like, oh, anyone could have got that because I got it, so anyone could get it, you know? When yeah. really, really, we should be crediting ourselves with our, our day-to-day achievements because, yeah, you know, we're doing it. Let, yeah. Let's notice that we're not too bad at, at taking this journey and taking these steps and, and dealing with the things that need to be dealt with and, and moving forwards, you know? We're doing it without even realizing it a lot of the time. Now, I think that's so important and really nice for people to hear. And, and I think on that note, uh, Tim, if you could just talk to people about maybe the, the maybe your book and maybe also the the control system and maybe how they can um, reach out yeah. to you if they need help or if they want to um, yeah. enroll in your programs or your training. So maybe just take them to that before okay. we wind up today. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so yeah, my book is called Clear Your Head. It's um, it's a very short, simple guide about how to. It's designed to be how to live your life without anxiety getting in the way. That's the subtitle of it, and that's that's what it's aimed at. And to be fair. That's everything that I do these days is geared towards that one thought of living life without anxiety interfering in a way that, that upsets us, you know, without yeah. getting in the way. Um, so the way that you can continue to connect with my message, best way is probably just to find me on YouTube. Timbox Mind Coach is my channel. I put videos up there every week. I do lives every week and okay. I just help guide people through that journey of the day to day anxiety that we go through. Mm. Um, the other thing, and I, and I see clients one to one, but you can, my, my website is called the Control System system.co.uk and that is my system of change based on my understanding my training in hypnotherapy and my you know over a decade of working one-to-one with clients and helping them to overcome anxiety issues um and yeah and i also i train practitioners in that method as well which i love of doing i'm so surprised about how much i enjoy teaching other people nice. what, what i do and it's uh yeah that was a real that's a real shock to me as well i never thought i'd i'd enjoy teaching but i absolutely love it and, and to be fair my time is almost evenly split now between seeing clients one-to-one and training other practitioners so um yeah, yeah it's quite fantastic like the thing that gave you um the, the thing that caused your anxiety has now become the thing that you use as a message to help others, right? It's almost like it's come full circle. Yeah. Like you had well, social think, anxiety, yeah. but now you help people through social settings to get over yeah. their thing, which is fantastic. And yeah, yeah. I, I, it's mm. a really fun chat. I, I really uh, think it's, I, I really like talking to more and more people about this topic because I mm. think sometimes what tends to happen is that you look to only one source, uh, maybe a mm. therapist or a, mind, a, a mental health expert or a psychiatrist about anxiety. Mm. And of course, I think to each uh, person has their own value. But um, yeah. the more you hear about this topic, I think the more you understand. And I think uh, I really, really like the way you talk about how it can be used as a friend, as a guide, as opposed to a demon that mm. needs to be conquered. And I really like that messaging, yeah. right? Because I think the moment you make yeah. something like this as an aid or as an indication to what needs to be yeah. prioritized, what needs to be looked mm. at, I think I, at least it mm. helped me. And even this yeah. conversation sort of brought out certain things that I need to look at and go, okay, you know what? You were looking at it in this way. So mm. this may be a better approach. So I, I really appreciate um, yeah, taking the no, time that, and sharing this with me. That's fine. Too often we perceive anxiety to be our enemy when mm. actually it's it's a friend that really cares about us. That's why it's getting concerned, you know? So mm. it's, if we treat it as an ally, like you say, if we work with it, we tend to get good. We tend to get back in control of it, you know? Fantastic. No, uh, Tim, thank you so much for uh, spending time with me on this episode and sharing uh, with everyone listening right now on behalf of them. Thank you. And I'll put no links problem. to your book and your website and your YouTube channel 
uh, in the description. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can catch up for a, a beer when I'm in the UK. And uh, which part of the UK? And I, I never asked you. I'm in the south. I'm just south of London. So I'm not too far outside of London. Lovely. But yeah, so, come, and, come and visit and let's have a drink. Definitely. And uh, we, if you're in Bangalore, uh, feel free to stop by and uh, we'll meet, meet for a beer here as well. <laughs> that would be awesome. That's, it's a day. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Lovely Take care. Chat. Take care then. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.